All right, ladies and gentlemen. So, uh, it is the next morning. <sighs> Had my uh, morning smoke and walk. And uh, still enjoying ice cream cake. Um, so you've already heard the review of that. Um, one of the things for me that cannabis has really done is help me become aware of my body and to realize how often I was subconsciously controlled by my body. Because what I realized over the last year or two, because I've only been, I'm 50, and I've only been smoking for like, I don't know, four years maybe, uh, medically. And for most of my life, I thought the very first time I got drunk, I was 38. And the first time I smoked a joint, I was like 42 or something. And ironically, here's my friend Nico, who <laughs> introduced me to both. Um, and, it, and it's so interesting to think about it because Nico wasn't trying to influence me poorly. She was just trying to tell me, well, you, you can, it feels nice, you know, but it's, it's not really bad if you do or bad if you don't. It's just, you know, it's bad if you use too much, but to not have the experience or to even have the experiences is not a sin. I mean, the Bible certainly doesn't say anything about marijuana, certainly when it's legal. Um, and for me, it has been great medicine it's been like people are anti antidepressants or anti-anxiety medications or things like that. Cannabis does that type of thing for me. It lets me be free of a lot of the pain that I have. And a lot of that pain is frankly induced by very well-meaning people who were very conservative and they just have a fear mindset about the world it's you got to protect what you have because the world's so dangerous it's so terrible out, th out there everybody's terrible everybody's sinful and you better just protect yourself you're garbage too because everyone's garbage i know what kind of garbage i am like it's joke that's how it was for me that's what goes on in my head it's this weird thing of the draw i think of evangelicalism was the self-hatred involved um the whole thing where i was sinful period like i didn't have a lot of good like i had to be redeemed i had to be cleansed I was so bad that God had to torture someone else to make up for all of my mistakes and I already felt responsible for everything so that version of it was all just screwed up for me and you know it kind of brings me to where I think I want to go with this morning episode with helicopters going by and uh, you guys probably can't hear the uh, toenails of my little pooch here as we go on our walk but I listened to yesterday's episode and I realized that it was you know not that great in my first episode 
But the reason, I could see exactly why. Um, you know, when I, when I don't smoke, um, I have this underlying anxiety that's just constantly going, you're screwing up. You got to do something else. Oh my God, don't let it. You know, and it makes me so scared that I kind of clam up and freeze up. My stomach starts to turn. I remember as a kid having all these stomach ache issues and it was just this incredible nervousness. Like people picked on me at school and I had all these messages of how hard it is and you'll end up on the street if you don't do everything right and it'll go on your permanent record if you talk back to the teacher. Like everything was so full of judgment. And I heard that message and it said, the Bible says that everybody's born into sin and isn't that terrible? And you need to be redeemed for it because God hates it so much. Well, I'm calling bullshit on that premise. I'm calling bullshit on the premise that God is all that bothered by sin. Because we don't really even know what it is. We don't... You can ask a Christian to define sin. And they'll say, well, it's anything against God. Well, no, that's... That's kind of a constructual, you know, a constructed idea, really, that you were handed by church. What is it, though? Like, why does God hate it, though? That's the question we never ask. Why does God hate sin? Why is God so pissed off about sin? Well, it, it's because the wrong things are so hurtful. And when you screw up, you're, you're responsible for hurting somebody. Because don't you feel responsible? When you screw up, even for just an innocent mistake, don't you just feel the guilt and the shame? And don't you, right? That all resonated with me. That was all that I heard. That was all that I felt. I don't know why. It's just the way. It's just the way that I'm built, the way I'm made up. I could hear that I was walking into helicopters and weed whackers, so I had to change my course. So it threw me off my game here for a second. But here's the thing this podcast is sinful. <laughs> and there's a. Uh, there's all kinds of people right now going, that's right, it's sinful. You are <laughs> with your foul language and your condon condoning of alcoholism and drugs. Like I can just hear that southern fearful fervor of all the things that you're afraid of being bad because the world is bad because you're afraid of the whole world. You're afraid of your own goddamn self. Because you honestly believe that at the root of it all, the one thing that God thinks about most when it comes to you is how screwed up you are and how you failed. Well, I call bullshit. I think that the whole idea of sin, here's how we say that sentence, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've all done it. We've all failed. God's perfect. And we screwed that up. Yeah. But here's how I think that should be read. 
all have failed. All have fallen short of the glory of God. Everybody, don't beat yourself up about it. You're human. Like that's, yeah, you choose the second best option sometimes. That's falling short of the glory of God. The, go the glory of God is pure love being loved. That's God's glory. And you fall short of that when you quit early, right? Like, so for me, I've been wanting to do this podcast for a long time, but I, I didn't because I was just so afraid of the failure. I was, and honestly, I just realized it this morning. It was sin that made me not want to do this podcast. It's not sin that's making me do it. It's sin that made me not do it because I'm supposed to be talking about God freely. And I felt like I couldn't. And that was sin. So here's the deal. I'm not beating myself up. I can hear already. I can feel people cringing. Um, but the point of sin, of that sentence, is just like, dude, everybody, yeah, everyone screws up. Don't worry about it. God already has it covered. God has it covered. God's on your side. God loved you so much that because you didn't believe that he loved you, not because, yeah, you fell short of his glory, but that we're explaining the bad feelings you have, not bad feelings you should have. Not bad feelings about yourself. We're explaining the good feelings you should have about yourself. Everybody screwed up. Everybody did second best. Sometimes people did like hundredth best. Like you screw up and screw up and you keep doing it and you don't even look at your situation. You don't even look at why you're at where you're at. You're sinning habitually. You're just constantly choosing the second best option for you. You're constantly... You're constantly sitting on the couch watching TV when you want to write a book. That's sin. You're constantly futzing around with this organization and that organization and being a part of this club and you're the secretary of that club. And it's not because you really love what the clubs are about. You just feel like you have to be involved in doing something with some title and some responsibility where people can tell you, oh, you're doing good. You've got proof. You've got a document. You've got a title. That need itself is sin. The point is, the whole point of the concept of sin in the Bible is just to say we get it. We, we do less than perfect. We're less than perfect all the time. Constantly screw up. Constantly doing things that we don't even want to do ourselves. You know, when you do something and you're like, oh my God, what was I thinking? Well, yeah. Everybody has that experience. Everybody sins. That's sin. What was I thinking? And the problem is that you went on what I like to call stupid autopilot. And this is all just hitting me lately. So you're going to hear this metaphor. I tend to repeat myself. And, um, and it's when I do that, it's because there's some nuance that I'm trying to figure out. And also everything, the way I think, the way I explain stuff, it's always like this big visual um, like big visual metaphor. 
So like I picture, I picture myself driving down this road that's here in town and you know, I drive from here out to the beach. It's about a half hour and I'll be heading to a meeting or there'll be something going on in life. And I don't even remember the drive. I just remember in my mind having, having arguments with somebody who's telling me how I failed and I'm trying to defend myself. I'm trying to explain what I tried to do, what I meant to do, how I tried to be good, how I didn't mean to disappoint them. Sometimes it's a project that I'm interested in doing. You know, it's like something that I'm attached, something that I'm tasked with maybe for work or just a challenge that I picked up for myself. Writing a song, for example, you know, something creative. You do something creative, something truly from your heart. And that is also a really human experience, right? You do something new and guess what you learn when you write a song? You learn that you don't always get the line down right the first time. You learn that you get better at something when you practice it. That's what having a hobby is about. A hobby is not something to keep you from being bored. A hobby is something that you get excited about and you learn the joy of discipline. You learn to see the work of getting better at something for its own sake or even for another purpose, right? I want to build a boat, so I have to learn woodworking. Well, no, but I just, I want to build a boat, really. I want to be like on the water in a boat that I built. Well, yeah, get it. But in order to do that, woodworking, that's what you have to do first. Otherwise you just buy a boat and you'll be on the water way faster. The dream is not to be on the water. The dream is to be in the water on a boat that you built. And when you don't do that, when you don't do that work, when you don't put in what you got to put in to make your dreams happen, to make your unique experience of you figure out what it's trying to figure out, If you skip any of those steps, you miss out on some of the pleasure, some of the pride when you're done. The pride in a job well done. It's just fun. It's worth it. And the problem is most of the time, well, the problem for me has been that I want to have pride in a job well done. So I do tend to do the work. But um, what happens is I have so much shame that I feel like I can't make the right decision about what to do. There's what I want to do. And then there's all the shoulds. And everybody telling me, well, you should do this. We well, should do that. Oh, you know what you should do? Oh, we should do this. So a lot of them sound really fun and they are. They're all great, wonderful experiences. But the one thing, honestly, that I think, <laughs> I was trying to think, how do you, uh, I, I'm gonna give a should. <laughs> Consider this, you should do whatever the hell you really want to do. How about that? How about that for a should? That's what I get from Christianity. That's what I get from the Bible. That's what I get from the story of Jesus. That's what I get from the Old Testament as well. It's stories a lot of times of people trying to do good and doing bad things and thinking it was good and then a prophet calls them out for it. 
The Bible is full of contradictions. The people that try to convince us and that believe themselves, that have convinced themselves that the Bible does not have contradictions, they're people, again, who are just being lazy. They don't want to do the work. They don't want to do the work of thinking about what's right or wrong. They don't want to do the work of having to look in the mirror and figure out what's really going on behind the eyes. What's going on in there? What's going on in my head? What's going on in my heart? What's going on in my gut? They, they have this message that something's not right and they haven't figured it out. So they latch onto something. And whatever we latch onto, that's our sin. It could be work, it could be prestige, it could be social status, it could be euphoria, right? Trying to get people to get high just to have fun. People that get high and don't get more of their work done. What is wrong with those people? I'm sorry, man, if that's you, if you're getting high to avoid figuring out the work that you have to do in this life and doing it, you're doing it wrong. The point is to find what matters most to you and do that thing. And it's hard to figure out. And there will be pain involved, just like an athlete training and going to the gym, just like losing weight, just like developing any new habit, just like learning to play guitar, man. My fingers hurt so bad when I was learning to play guitar. The tips of your fingers get like all dented in. It's crazy. And, but your body has to build itself up to not play guitar because it hurts a little bit. That's sin. To not stop and have these thoughts and think about who you are and what you're about and what you think matters most and what you're most curious about and to, to not do that dream that is inside of you. You just have this feeling it's the thing that you just love to do the most. Well, then start figuring out how to do that for a job, for a career, for a hobby. Figure out how to do it and it will be work. Just like with me, with the book thing and all that stuff, and I've written some books, there's a lot of work involved, work that I don't like. And so really, I thought that I wanted to be an author, but when I got done with the book, I wasn't proud of it because it wasn't what I really wanted to write about, which is this kind of stuff hippie Jesus stuff. And this is the, this is, and I knew it since I was about 15 or so, 15 or 16. Man, that's a hardcore memory. When I think about it, it just like, I can feel myself going panic mode. But I remember just being so curious about all this stuff. And this is what I wanted to do. I wanted to go somewhere where you have these thoughts. And the only thing I knew about where I could have these kind of thoughts was church to become a pastor or something. I really enjoyed youth ministry. And I remember it was the first time in my life where like, wow, I know who I truly am. I know what matters to me. I know what will give me fulfillment and joy and peace and a sense of purpose and what where I have joy, even if I didn't make any money, even if I didn't, um, you know, uh, produce a product that people bought or something, or there's no social status, what I want more than anything 
is to just think these thoughts and, and generally invite kids to think these thoughts because kids are at that weird time where they're just trying to figure out like what they believe. That's the one time in our lives where all of us do it, where all of us do the philosopher thing. All of us do the spiritual thing where you're like, man, my mom and dad, are, they, didn't, they weren't right about everything. And this stupid school, they sent me to the office even though they knew that Jimmy is the one that threw the eraser and he didn't even get in trouble. All these rules and all these systems suck. <laughs> uh, that's what being a teenager is about. <clears throat> and you're supposed to be rebellious. That's the point to figure out you test everything. You know, the metaphor I think of all the time is in Jurassic Park when the raptors are testing the fence. The guy says the raptors are testing the fence systematically trying to find its weaknesses. That's what being a teenager is about. They're a raptor testing the fence. Philosophically. For life. They're testing the fence. What of these rules really matter? Which of these rules don't? What do I really care about? What do I... What do I where do I find the most happiness? And I found it thinking about all this weirdo stuff. Like it started with like Bigfoot and UFOs and just like all the mysteries, but they were earthly mysteries. You know, does this monkey live in Oregon? You know, this, this monkey ape half man thing. Um, man, I've been to Oregon. I've been to Portland and let me tell you something. You can go and see Bigfoot everywhere. There are a bunch of weird, hairy, lumberjacky dudes out there. And it wouldn't surprise me for an instant if some of those motherfuckers just walked around in the woods for fun, naked. It wouldn't surprise me. Or even built a monkey suit for themselves and walked around. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me. Because, like, there's somebody where that's just like, wouldn't that be just fun? Just, like, walk around and pretend you're sort of a, an ape and just imagine what it was like to be that first human walking around in these woods, what would it be like to be the first sentient being and walk around in these woods? What would I be looking at? What would I be thinking about? Maybe that's some dudes like they're totally curious. Really, they want to be a researcher about early man, but they just, they weren't ever given that option. They weren't ever told that's something you can do. So they just make their suit and they go out and pretend. It's kind of like in Step Brothers <laughs> when the dad says that he wants to be a dinosaur. Right? <laughs> oh my gosh. It's like, you can't be a dinosaur, you're a human. But that's what we need to do, man. The movie Step Brothers is, is a rule book, a guidebook for life. Do what you love. Watch the movie Step Brothers. And what happened to me, the most... You know, the biggest challenge was that I found that thing. But I had so many people telling me that all my weirdo books about Bigfoot and UFOs and stuff were wrong. Of course, I had my nerdy friends. You know, I was in a, uh, I was in a Stranger Things type group of nerds, right? Um, just, I was just like those kids. You know, fantasy movies and film and D&D. And I didn't play D&D that much, but I was that kind of kid. Star Wars. You know, just loving that type of boyhood, that type of boy. So curious about story and mystery and adventure, questions. And that's really where this podcast got its name. 
um, Jesus, Joseph, and Mary Jane. The Joseph is Joseph Campbell and the story of the hero's quest. And honestly, I'm not as familiar with it as I'd like. There's a really great movie on one of the streaming services. I think it might be um, Netflix, but it's, I think it's called Finding Joe. And it's a really great documentary on the hero's journey. So check that out. That's really what this podcast is about. Jesus, or what Jesus represents in Christianity, perfect truth becoming man and living a human life. That's what you're supposed to do. You have this infinite loving spirit within you, right? You've got Jesus in your heart. You just have to realize it. Then Joseph, and because you're here on earth, Joseph Campbell teaches us how we need to find our quest. We need to get, we need to find who we're actually drawn to because we're curious about the thing that they're curious about and find that wise person to mentor us and bring us into a a vocation that we truly love. And there's going to be a lot of challenges and a lot of fear and you're not going to want to do it and people aren't going to understand. And it's like, it's like a guy in a fantasy movie going out to fight a dragon and it's an uncertain outcome. The risks are high, but the reward is huge. If you do it, if you can do it, it's going to be tough though. That's life. Okay. And that's what I think the Bible tells us. The Bible tells us, look how many of you guys screw it up. Look how tough this is going to be. Here's stories of people that try to do it and all the ways they screwed up. The good things and the bad things that happened to them. Some really good people and bad stuff just happened. And some really bad stuff, bad people that seem to get away with it. But the story is always about people finding their way to redemption, redeeming themselves, reclaiming that identity that they were given to to believe in themselves that it's okay to follow that dream. That's the story. And for me, I tried antidepressants and they didn't work. I tried psychology, talk therapy, and actually that's very helpful. I'm still doing it and I really love it. And I'm finding a lot of freedom in all of that. And it's, you know what? And a lot of it is because I'm learning all of the bad habits that I developed trying to please other people and realizing that the people didn't even know. So back to my main story. Boy, I don't know how long this is. But kind of the main story that I wanted to get to. This is, I remember that this day, this is the most angry I feel like I've ever saw my father. It was a day when I was a kid and I said that I wanted to be a youth pastor. You know, I came in, I remember walking into my parents' bedroom and telling them both that I know what I really want to do with my life. I want to be a youth pastor. I just really love thinking about this metaphysical stuff and talking to kids about it. And they've got all these, you know, there's so many questions and there's just so much fun. You're alive and you're active and you're full of joy and you're full of hope and you believe in and hope in these kids, the weird ones, and you let them know that they're okay. Like, man, that's just what I want to do. I know it's what I want to do. I want to go to seminary and be a youth pastor. I'm going to just love being in a place where people come with these kind of questions. Who am I? What am I about? What do you do with all of this? And as far as I knew, church was the closest thing to that. I think being a philosophy professor would have been just as good. 
Um, you know, but I just wasn't given, my family wasn't really focused on, on this type of quest. It was there, you know, there was a lot of anxieties in my family. Um, we, we all had a lot of shoulds that we picked up from our parents had very difficult, both of my parents had a difficult childhood, not abusive at all or, or anything like that, just difficult. And they were handed a bunch of lessons that now at 50 that we started having these talks in the last year about what life is really like and they talk to me like an adult um understanding them so i want to say that i love my dad but at the time we didn't understand each other and he thought that i wanted to be some some lame huckster who's gonna sit and beg for money at the front of a building that that, that i wanted that to be my job and he was so mad. He was like, I remember him coming in the room and that must have been what was going in his mind. I never realized it until now. But I remember that night that I said I wanted to be a youth pastor, I told him both. He came in my room and I was asleep already. And I was in this euphoria of just like, oh my God, I know my purpose. I know what I want to do. And my dad came in and I feel like, here's my memory of it. I can't remember what it was really like, but here's how it felt. And here's how the memory resonates in me. And here's what's held me back for my whole life is I felt like my dad walked in, the guy whose approval I really wanted, the guy who I really wanted to just feel like he got behind me and was 100% behind me on something and not telling me, watch out, watch out, watch out, but just like, oh man, run faster. You are so good at this, you can't fail. Just fucking run, man. You know what you love? Do it, run, 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 find that thing and run. That's what he wanted. I know that's what he wanted to do for me, but the thing is he had this worldview where everything was so bad and people will steal and people will cheat and life is hard and you can't trust anybody. And my mom had some some odd messages given to her too. So I got both these conservative messages and both of them feel like, well, you got to earn it. You've got to protect your stuff and you know, you get what you get. You don't have, you don't get more than you than you deserve and you work and you deserve something and then nobody has the right to take it away from you because you earned it and it's yours. And there's some safety in that when you're living in a really chaotic life or a, a place where you didn't have anyone telling you to live your dream and that yes, the world is dangerous and yes, things will be hard, but that's always where the joy is. My dad came into my room that night And I just remember him saying, I will not let you throw your life away. You are not going to be a youth pastor. I am not going to pay for that. And he was, as I remember it, he was angry. He was angry. Every time I tell the story, this is how I remember it. That I say, that's the most mad I ever saw my dad. But looking at it now that I'm older and I've gotten to know him a little bit, I don't think he was mad. I think he was just scared. He's scared that I'm going to be some loser who couldn't pay his bills and I'd be asking him all the time for money and help and expectations that he would help me out or something and man I didn't want any of his fucking money I didn't need any of that I just needed him to believe in me and say you can do it figure out which direction you want to go and run wherever it is I'm behind you just fucking run it's something you love don't let fear stop you And what did I do with that lesson? You know, I couldn't hear it at the time. I couldn't hear what he was trying to do. He didn't know how to explain it well. I don't think he knew why 
it affected him so much to hear his son say he wanted to be a youth pastor. But it scared him. And he came in and it was just like, it just felt like the greatest rejection. Because it felt like he was saying, I don't, I don't believe you'll make it. You know, it, like now, even now with the understanding of where he was coming from, you know, assuming the best intention, he, it was still kind of, I, I don't think that it was that he didn't believe in me. He just didn't believe in people. Yeah, he doesn't believe in people. He thinks that people are kind of selfish and self-centered. And he's told me that recently, that people are bad. And the only thing that kind of holds it together are rules. Um, and so he was afraid, probably, that I'd be just coming back to him all the time and never stand on my own two feet because I expected handouts. And he wanted me to stand up and be a man and go earn something, which is totally respectable. I get it. It's just... You know, because he's got a little bit of that fearful orientation, it got stuck in, I don't know, got stuck in this fear of like, watch out, be careful. Don't, you could fail. Don't fail. You know, do your best. But, you know, he wasn't a good student. I wasn't a great student. But both of us have been successful financially. What happened with him, I think, is he's just like, you see that? All those school people are so stupid. Because I know some people with advanced degrees that are idiots. They're so stuck in their one perspective. But he can't see that he is too. That earning it is also being stuck in a perspective. That you should do work in order to get money. And money is the reward. And what you can buy with it. That's not how it goes. The true gift of life. True sinlessness. To get back around to my original point. True sinlessness is figuring out what you really want to do and honing the craft. And for me, that's what this podcast is about. I know that I ramble. Uh, I want to write books on this kind of stuff, but I'm not. And I have fun playing with words, but I hate editing. You know what that is? That's me being the kind of lazy that the Bible talks about. Oh, yeah, you want to be... A writer, well, you're going to have to sit and write and you're going to have to edit. And because when you edit, you're going to see the mistakes that you keep making. I didn't want to see that. I just wanted someone to go, oh, good boy. You, it was a really great effort. So we're going to see through all your sloppiness and look at your heart. We're going to look at your efforts. No, that's me being lazy. And that's sin. That's the kind of sin that church does talk about. The problem is they think that God gets mad about it. God doesn't get mad at sin because it hurts him. It offends him. It bothers her. It's a way of leaving, being centered in it. Because God is not a man. But what this is, what this whole story is about, what religion itself is about, it's reconnecting to something. Religio, religament, reconnect. Connect your muscle to your bone and then move it. And guess what? When you first start doing that thing, it's gonna hurt. You wanna be, you wanna build that boat? You wanna just sit, you wanna sail? Sit in a lake and fish in a boat that you built yourself or sail in a lake on a boat you built yourself? 
there's going to be days you're going to be sweating and you're not going to be in the mood and you're going to have to get up and sand that thing and you're going to be sore and you're going to screw up and it's going to cost money and you're going to blow it and you're going to fail. And in all of that, you should find joy. That's the message of the Bible. God doesn't hate sin because it offends him or bothers him. God hates sin because it offends and hurts you. Because you've been given this incredible gift. You've been given this experience and this curiosity and this desire. You really want to know about this one thing. You were given, you were given a gift, man. You were given by circumstance or by God. It doesn't matter where it came from. I'm not saying it's deterministic. I'm just saying that when you were born, you were built a certain way. You've got a certain personality type. Your parents gave you certain messages. That's all what you were given, right? So you were given that gift. So go figure out how you want to use it. What is the thing you're most curious about? What do you what do you really want to do? You yourself. You've got all the money. You, the whole world is just stopping and staring on you. All the news channels are there and there's cameras and you've done everything that anyone ever expected. And you've solved all these world problems and you're just a gift and everybody Everybody in the world is focused on you. You're the number one person in the world. And it's they're pointing uh, microphones and cameras in your face. And they're saying, you have solved all of the world's problems. Now we just want to give back. What do you want to do? What, what can we give you? You, can have, you already have everything. But now, what do you want to do? We will find the resources. We will uh, give you the space. What do you really want to do? And then the whole world goes silent and just stares at you and waits for your answer. And whatever you do, you're going to have to commit to doing that for 10 years. So you better make it something you really like. You're going to have to do it eight hours a day, every day. All right. What do you, and it could be anything. You're, all your bills are paid, you have vacations, you, you know, maybe it's not even eight hours a day. Let's say it's four hours a day, two hours a day. You can work every other week. You can work for just a couple months a year and keep doing the work that solves the world's problems. And then what do you want to do with all the rest of your time? What problem do you want to solve? What thing do you want to figure out? What message do you want to give to the world? Most of us don't have an answer. Most of us would be paralyzed. Wait, I have to decide? I want someone to tell me. That's what conservatism is all about. It's people being too lazy to do the work of figuring themselves out and they just want somebody to tell them what to do. We'll earn money. We'll earn your way into heaven. We'll earn a good reputation. It's all about earning your worth. It's all about earning personal value. But the story of the Bible is that you have infinite personal value. You're made in the image of God.
So now that you know that that's true, you don't have to worry about sin. Sin is just not doing what you want to do the most. Because God is trying to figure out something through you. How do you overcome fear? How do you find your own purpose? How do you, how do you get to the place where you can, just like God, say, I am. I just exist and that's enough. That's what the Bible's about. That's what life is about. And that's what this podcast is about. Boy, this is a long one. Oh. It felt like I talked for like an hour and a half. (laughs) Some of you are going, yes, it did. But this is the story, man. This is the thing I want to get out into the world. That it's a freaking amazing mystery. And there is so much fun in struggling with something and overcoming it. Man, I had a stroke five years ago. And I struggled and overcame it. And I'm better off now than I did before my stroke. And it affected my vision. It affected my body. I've got this constant pain. And almost like a slight paralysis in my right side a little bit that hurts. And I would not trade going back to before my stroke when I could, you know, I had all my vision. I had all my, you know, ability to use my body and it didn't hurt all the time. I would not trade that for where I'm at now. Because even the joy, the fun of learning about how to overcome the pain is better than just existing without the pain, without knowing what I should do with my body now that it doesn't have pain to manage or ignore or distract myself from, or what to do with my life now that I don't have shame to have to wrestle through and figure out. I've got enough money to pay my bills, more than I need. So now what, I'm at that place. I'm at that place where I ask the questions, what am I supposed to do with my life? What now? Because to not do that thing that you're most curious about, to die without ever asking that question, what would, what would, man, I always wanted to blank. Well, why the hell aren't you doing it? Why aren't you working at it? If that means all you can do is read books at the library about it, then why aren't you doing that? Why are you sitting home playing video games? Why are you picking up an extra job just so you can live in that big house? Because you think it's somehow, you think the house is going to make you feel better? It doesn't, man. Oh, I got so many stories to tell you guys, but I don't want these uh, episodes to be too long. So, um, I want everybody to know this. God, the God of the universe is in love with you. (laughs) And when you know that, it is the most beautiful, liberating feeling. And the way I live my life I can 
get myself to this feeling of pure joy and peace and love by just thinking about how much God loves me. That's the Christianity that I hold to. Because I think that's how Jesus was. They were literally torturing and going to kill him. And he didn't say anything. He just bore it. Not because he had to, because that's what God wants to do to all of us. Think of what a fucked up message that is that the church gives us. God wants to torture you way worse than Jesus got tortured. Jesus only had to endure it for a day. God would want to do it to you forever. Oh my gosh. Really? You're that bad? We all know we're not. That's the challenge of evangelicalism is convincing people that they're that much of a piece of shit. You know, there was a time in my life where I literally would say, I would sum up my faith this way. I'm a piece of shit that Jesus loves. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I believed that bullshit. But that was, for me, that's the shitty message that most of us get, right? But for me, that was also the first step to this freedom. That's why I also still call myself a Christian because I don't think I would have gotten to this place without being given all of these metaphors of the Bible to wrestle with and to think about and to ask questions about. I don't think that... I don't think I would have been able to... to learn how to hold contradictions together and be okay with it. Because there's a ton of contradictions in the Bible. Just like there's a ton of contradictions in life because the Bible is a book about life, about how humans live life. Good ways and bad ways we do it. Good examples and bad examples. And it's supposed to be looking at it and going, how do you choose? How do you pick? It's asking, the Bible is asking you a question. It's not giving you an answer. You have the answer. You were made in God's image. Sinful nature, my ass. But we will make mistakes. That's what sinful nature really is all about. So we're going to talk a lot more about sin because it's really kind of the, it's, I think that's the one thing that screws it all up. If we take away the idea of sin, Christianity makes a lot of sense. Because you have to, you have to learn to hold paradox. You have to learn that things don't always mean what they seem to say at face value. That sometimes there's a depthness and a richness to certain language and certain text, especially fables, especially, uh, you know, mythology, especially family stories of victory and grace and, and blessing. And as they get handed down, you know, you kind of, the family, depending on what their, what sparked the memory in their mind of that story, sometimes they'll be focusing on the blessing and sometimes they'll be focusing on the sin. And the church just got into ruts about some of those stories. And so I'm here to say, let's get out of the rut. Let's get out of the rut. Let's take a step back and question what we believe, question what we think. And let's figure out 
what we're doing here. And let's give other people the grace to figure out what they're doing here. And let's share with each other about how to move forward and the things that we found that make life better. Let's not focus so much on the mistakes that we as humans make because you go where you look. And if you look at the problems, you look at the mistakes, you'll drive right into it. That's gonna be another recurring theme. That's another core idea. (laughs) There's a kid running in flip-flops. I love that this podcast just sounds like crap. I just recorded on my phone. Like I'm uh, on a phone call with somebody. Because normally, one of the ways that I hide myself away from doing the things that I really want to do is I say, well, I'm not good enough. When you say you're not good enough at something, that's an excuse to not have to work at it. Holy crap. And I do that with my book and stuff because I haven't wanted to do the work of editing. That's everything. All of my, everything that's helped me up is I don't want to do the work of editing because it's so hard. It's so, it's a waste of time. I just want to get the words out. Well, getting the words out so they make sense to people is editing. It's the pain of editing. And again, seeing my own sins, right? Oh, that's a less than perfect word. That's a sin. Sin's not a bad thing. It just means missing the mark. It means less than a perfect bullseye. Um, anyway, I got to get going, but that's kind of a revelation. We church does that church gave us that message too. Um, but here's what church was. Here's what Jesus said though, was just love your neighbor. Instead of being afraid of all the do's and don'ts, just love God, love truth and love your neighbor and love yourself. If you focus on the love, you will walk into, you will go into the direction that you want to go. If you focus on the pain and the hurt and the suffering, then you will end up driving right into pain, hurt, and suffering. You'll keep walking that direction because you go where you look. Ride a bicycle and try and look behind you. You'll either start turning a corner or you'll wipe out most likely. You got to go... You got to look where you're going and you, and you got to recognize that you will go where you look. So if you look at beauty and truth and love and peace and joy and forgiveness and grace, that's where you'll go. You'll go to live like that. And if you look at sin and darkness and all the bad things and fear and hatred and envy and strife and being a victim to your own pleasures, being a victim to your own distractions, That is sin. It's hurting you, man. It's taken away from you. Don't give in to that shit. Wow. Okay, so now, (laughs) in Trinitarian fashion, I believe this is the third time I'm supposed to be uh, ending this podcast. And so I'm going to.